Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, where we're in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got an amazing discussion with a guy that's a mentor of mine and a good friend. His name is Derek Devine, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit about accountability and mentorship in the church. Derek's a guy who's been around here for a long time. He's uh, Steve's son-in-law, is married to Danielle, so if you've heard Danielle's podcast, you'll want to listen to this one and get the other side of their story. And he's also a guy who's done a lot of things and been around a lot of places. He's spent some time playing in the NFL, and he's sharing some of his accountability knowledge and wisdom that he gained from his time there and and throughout college and other places, so you're going to really want to stick around and check that out. Accountability is a word that's thrown around a lot in the Christian church, but it doesn't have a whole lot of definitive meaning. What one church calls accountability, another might just call hanging out, and uh, we're going to get some clarification with Derek on what he thinks accountability is and how it's changed his life and how it's changed the lives of people that are accountable to him. So we're going to jump into that in just a moment, but before we do, I would like to remind you to go ahead and leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Google Podcasts or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere. It helps just to get us up the charts, and that will let people who've never heard of us find us for the first time and start getting some some of our content and learn about the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Also, stick around for the end of the episode. I'm going to have some shout-outs and some show notes just to tell you about some of the other things that you can be looking for here on The Uncommon Truth. And now let's get to Derek Devine, who's bringing us this week's Uncommon Truth. All right, well, welcome to The Uncommon Truth, Derek. I've got Derek Devine here. And he's going to be sharing a little bit with us about his uh, his brand of accountability that him and his wife have have brought to our church here and and have really transformed how we do things. But the the since we're a real podcast, we have to start with bios because you know I have to act like we're a real podcast. You know, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Derek is from Portland, Oregon, and he's got a degree in criminal justice from Marshall, and he actually played football, real football in the NFL for the Seahawks and the Redskins. And, uh, and he found himself in Orville and, uh, and now he's here. So that was a, that was a long time ago, way before my time of getting here. You're actually one of the people that I was looking up to and thinking, Oh, I'm excited to get to know Derek when I moved down here. Um, our moving process was like a, like a two year slow motion sort of (laughs) hurry up and, and wait sort of thing. But, um, yeah, and the two or three times that we visited, it, it was great seeing you and, and get to know like just a few little conversations here and there, which, uh, which isn't uncommon for the people who live here, but it was, it was kind of life changing for, for somebody who doesn't have that. And, yeah. and, uh, so I just thought you'd be a great person to have on the podcast. So how, how did you end up actually coming to Orville? Well, thanks for having me, first off. Um, so coming to Orville, the first time I ever came here, I my wife's from here, so she's pretty much born and raised here, pretty much lived here her whole life. That's right. Yeah, and, for for those of us who, a few episodes back, we had Danielle on, and she, she talked about saying yes to Jesus, just saying yes. So some, some yeah. people, you might want to stop right now if you 
haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to Danielle's podcast. It yeah. was great. But others have, so we'll just pick up from there. Yeah. So I met my wife at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp in Flagstaff, Arizona. And she was a basketball player at Arizona State. Uh, I had no clue. First time I ever met her. Met her through a very close friend. And she told me she was from Orville, California. I'd never even heard of it. The yep. part was is it was like six and a half, seven hours from my hometown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Portland. And so we we bet over a weekend. It was a you know it was a camp, so it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Show up Friday, leave Sunday. We hit it off for. I don't know, 36 hours or whatever, you know, yeah. the whole time you're really there. And talk. I used to run a summer camp. So yeah. there's that meme where, where the kids are crying on the bus because it's time to break up on the way home from church exactly. camp, right? It's sort of like so that. everybody, but uh, for all adults, the, all the counselors were just like, yeah, this will never last. Yeah. You know, because there'd always be counselors coming to this camp. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, oh, who likes who? Okay, yeah. that's going to end bad. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll be, have been married 10 years in July. So, okay. So there are some out. people that are like, you guys, you guys are the only ones that ever made it. So, <laughs> Anyway, she tells me she's from Moorville. I've never heard of the place. I couldn't even told you it was in California. I had no clue. And um, you always have to spell it out for people, right? You have to like oh, it's yeah. kind of like the popcorn, but and everybody's always like Oroville. It's like <laughs> come on, you know. So anyway, I mean, you like it was harder for you because now I can say Oroville now has some notoriety across the states, and it's like you know that place that had to evacuate because the dam was going to wash away the whole town and all the other towns near it. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's that place. Or, uh, you know, that place that was the only town that didn't burn in the campfire. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's this one. But I'm not sure how I would have explained it before that. No, there 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 just wasn't, there was just no way. No. So I was always like, Oh yeah, it's kind of Northeast of Sacramento. So I'd be like, Oh, I know Sacramento. So anyway, I, she invited me down here. It was kind of, it was funny. She, her parents were having their 30th wedding anniversary, like a couple weeks after I met her. So mm-hmm. after this camp, we just kept kind of talking on the phone and she invited me down and to, to meet her parents. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And before you were dating, before we were, d- well, okay. she counts. We were dating. I see. But yeah, yeah technically. Yeah. So I drove down here and I get to about, I get just outside of Chico on the other end. Yeah. Drove through Chico. I'm on the other end of it. And it's, and it's the middle of August. So it's just scorched earth. Yeah. Nothing green. <laughs> and I'm from Portland wherever it rains. Yeah. It just rains all day long. So everything's green. And I'm like, who in the world would want to live here? <laughs> and I think that was our first, our first reaction rolling in at the end of August when we first moved here was, was like, why are we I here? I think we've made a horrible mistake. Because <laughs> we rolled in from Tahoe, which is like oh, beautiful and yeah. like cool, like warm days, cool evenings, like green trees yeah. and and three hours away. And we're just like, wow, it's Why? like a tinderbox. And yeah, what happened? Yeah. So, and then especially where our church is, it's just, it isn't in the ritzy part of town. So right. I was, I had to drive through all of this and I remember vividly saying i will never live in orville california (laughs) never live here i don't care i'm getting this girl we're gonna hit it off and we're getting out of here yeah you know and i love that she lived i lived in arizona for a while and we loved it down there and it was like oh it's perfect yeah never have to live here and you know it was gosh a year and a year and a half like a year and some change we were both living here yeah so it was uh I've learned to never say never. Yeah, when it came to Jesus. Okay, I always like to ask people who aren't from Orville, 
what their first impressions were because I, I remember my first impressions really vividly. Yeah. And even, even on the daily, you see something just like scratch, scratches your head. So this yeah. week, um, I ride my bike sometimes to the office where, where I get to work and I park it and lock it up on the fence right outside the yeah. front office at, at the church. And, uh, on Monday morning, like nine, nine fifteen, some guy runs up, sees the locked bike, tries to pull it. It obviously is locked to the fence post and he falls down. And then I open the door and he runs and jumps the fence and, and books it down the alley. Like I, I wasn't sure really what he was planning on doing. Right. Where is he going to go? Yeah. Right. Where, where are you going to go with the, like the, like, um, uh, the bike the that's chain locked, fence? right? Yeah. yeah. You're going to drag that thing through the alley. And then the same day on my way walking from, cause I wasn't going to ride my bike again. I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm not going to attempt it. Yeah. Um, walking back from lunch, I see there's always stray dogs, right? And usually they don't bother you if you act, you know, you just don't make eye count, contact, whatever, act really confident. Well, this one had found its way back to its house and was sitting on its front steps. And I walked by within, you know, 25 feet, which is automatically a threat. Oh, right? yeah. Books it at me, snarling, everything, a pit bull. And uh, I, I take one kick at it. It goes around me to, like, avoid me and slams into a moving car. Like oh, it didn't get hit by the car. Word. It hit the car <laughs> and the person was somebody we know. And she was just like, did I hit a rock or something? No, a pit bull hit you. <laughs> and Jeez. you know, we could go back and see the nose print and the slobber down the side of the car. Oh yeah. And it just looked at me like I conjured this car out of nowhere, but that that's Orville. Right. And, and yeah, I think of people that live in Orville would never say that didn't happen. They'd be they'd like, be oh, like yeah. oh yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> So it's it's not like you got to make you somebody too? believe anything. Yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, that did happen. Where were you again? Oh, it definitely. happened I'm gonna there. start an Instagram because I have yeah. a dash cam on my car. I'm gonna start an Instagram with oh. scene in Orville, right? Yeah, you probably you probably be on falls Jimmy on Kimmel, Kimmel yeah. in a couple weeks. Probably falls on the wrong side of the compassionate spectrum, uh, you oh, know, caring yeah. for people. But you definitely see some weird stuff. So, do you remember any of that when you first rolled oh, into yeah. town? Well, when I grew up. Well, my, my father was a very successful businessman and he provided an incredible, uh, lifestyle for us. And so I had never been around drugs, never been around drug addiction, never been around homelessness, mm -hmm. was never around any of it. So yep. a lot of the things that I was driving through was just like, what is, where, what is this? <laughs> yeah. You know, I f you almost felt like you're on a mission trip. Mm -hmm. Like you felt like you'd cross the border into Mexico. Or well, we, we do that here. We, we, people yeah, we come do. here to do missions. Right? Yeah. And you will definitely get a mission trip experience. Yeah. You really will. And it's, but, uh, but here also, as much as I didn't want to be here all those years, it was, I started to realize that this is where my Christianity actually started to take a foothold and yeah. get real and actually become something, which, mm -hmm. I don't know if you really. I, I I don't know if you can get that real Christianity until you at least are seeing stuff like that because you, you, it really develops compassion and yeah. and really seeking Jesus on on finding a heart for these people. So it was what I needed because I was mm -hmm. never around it. Yeah, and it really opened my eyes to to what I was judging and you know what I was you know where you just look at people and say get a job, man. Yeah, you know clean yourself up, get a job get it together. And you just didn't realize that there was no, just get a job and get it together for some of these people around here. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely know what you mean. So pick the story up, you roll into town, you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. What happens next? Well, I, I mean, I meet Danielle and it's like, we pick up right after 
summer camp and mm-hmm. it was just it was just incredible you know so we were right where we wanted to be it was awesome and we fell in love over the weekend pretty much you yeah. know and uh and met her parents and and I went home and she went da- back down she still had her senior year of college left to play basketball and okay so we continued our relationship for a couple months and I was living up in Portland still. Like I said, she was down at Arizona State. And it eventually got to the point where we kind of had to decide, well, do we want to pursue this? Mm-hmm. And so we came to that conclusion. So I moved down to Arizona, and my friend owned a home down there. So I moved in with him, and it was kind of a perfect fit. Yeah. I got to watch her play, and uh, I was still pursuing football at the time. And so Arizona is a hotbed for oh, yeah. for NFL uh, players to train. So it was, it was kind of a perfect storm. You know, my buddy lived there. I had a place to stay. I had perfect training, and – and a perfect element and, and receivers and people and things that I needed yeah. for my position that I was working at. And mm-hmm. then I got to see her play and we got to find out if this was actually going to be something. So we were down there and it, uh, the relationship flourished and she finished her year of basketball and graduated with her master's degree. And yeah, I proposed to her and, you know, so the next summer we're getting married so pretty much from the day we met to the day we got married, it was a year and six days. So we, nice. we were quick. We yep. got married and we moved back down. Oh, so we stayed in Arizona. Mm-hmm. We came up to Orville and got married. And again, I was like, we're just getting married here and yeah. we're getting out of town. Let's not get any ideas yeah, here. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so, and she wasn't really, she didn't want to live here either. Yeah. So it was, we, we, it was a mutual agreement that I loved. Mm-hmm. So we moved back down to Phoenix and got our place going and. I was training and the, you know, I got a call from our, actually from our honeymoon for a workout. And so it was kind of like, oh, this thing's taken, taken off right where we want to. This is God's hand in this whole thing, you know? And so we, you know, all that didn't really work out as, as we had planned it. So we were still in Phoenix training and doing all the things that we thought God had led us to do. And I got a call to go play and you know, when you're kind of a free agent with stuff like that, you, you don't just move up everything. You go over yeah. there and get settled and then you bring your family. So mm-hmm. I did that. And in the meantime, we closed down shop in Phoenix and she moved up to Orville for a short period of time, you know, to, before she comes and joins right. me and you know, all that fell apart and then we have no Phoenix. So I got to come here Yeah, and, uh, still bounced around and I just decided, well, I guess I'll just train out Orville. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, she moved everything up here, you know, we kind of, felt like we got trapped almost, you yeah. know, so yeah. like, no, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then at that point she felt called by Jesus telling her that, uh, she needed to start the business office at the father's house church. And I, you know, I couldn't stand in the way of that. I, I knew, uh, if she felt that God was telling her to do something, then I, I was going to, I was going to support right. that. And you kind of fast forward, gosh, seven, eight years now. And we've been here the whole time. And um, and it's been the best time of our lives, but it was never what we thought it was going to be. And right. I would have never thought I would have lived here. And you, so I, I like the story that you tell, you had a, a certain vehicle that you drove yeah, when you arrived here had and a really nice vehicle. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, including the license plate. Yeah. So, uh, I had come up with kind of like a, a, a shorter clothing line when I was, when I was training. And when I was working out, when I was yeah. a little young kid, I came up with a clothing line of just, did I do more than him? And just uh, constantly uh, in a position of football, you're constantly competing. You're constantly right. in, in a lifestyle of there's somebody else always working. Mm-hmm. And to keep myself motivated, it was always reminding myself that 
there's other people out there trying to get your job. What are mm-hmm. you doing about it today? Yeah. And more importantly, what are you doing about it throughout your whole day? Right. And uh, so then I came here and I had this, did I do more than him license plate with just the syllables and so the the, uh, the letters or whatever. And yeah. that just was, did it, it looked like did meth. <laughs> and we're in like the meth capital of the world. And I'm driving this blacked out SUV, brand new, you know, fifty, you, sixty thousand yeah. dollar car. Big rims, yeah. Aftermarket. I didn't rims. have aftermarket oh, rims. Man. No, that would that would that would have really been set the, me the off. Cap. Yeah. But well, and I'm coming down here and and just and just a drug infested environment. So everybody's <laughs> yeah. looking at me while I'm driving by. You're driving by parole officers, and yeah. sheriffs, and everything. And it's just I had no clue what I was driving into. Yeah. I, I grew up in the suburbs, so coming into this with that was just a well, this just doesn't fit. Yeah. So. Eventually, like I said, we came back. I'm jobless. She's working for the church, and we're making nothing. Mm-hmm. So we end up moving in with her parents. So it was that was a tough transition for me because I go from being in the National Football League, doing well, meeting her, getting another call, oh, this is going to take off. We're right where we want to be. And then um, all of a sudden, cut, jobless. She's working for 200 bucks a month or something like yeah. that, and we're living with her parents. So I was in a, a little bout of depression. Yeah, that's that's rough. I mean, it doesn't matter what else your circumstances are. After yeah. newlywed, living with your in-laws, that's... In Orville. Yeah, you know. <laughs> was just quite depressing for yeah. me. I, and I was really lost on, what am I doing with myself? Yeah. And, and then it looked like, well, I'm driving this really expensive car, and we're living with her parents. Yeah. What are we doing? You know, that yeah. doesn't add up, so... We ended up coming to the conclusion that it's like, we can't be driving this expensive of a car without a home, without anything. Yeah. You know, first off, we need more than one car, you know? So I ended up selling this car, just what was my dream car. I was right where I wanted to be in life. And I ended up having to sell this car and it sold quite quickly, Yeah, you know? And, and then I ended up, I ended up taking $500 and buying some guy's Honda that was moving out of town. Yeah. And this thing was the biggest piece of garbage I had ever sat in. There was no, there, no the doors were just, there was just dented. Mi- it was, was mismatched colors, right? Mismatched colors. That, I mean, all the insides of the doors were just gone. Yeah. It was just horrid. And I was, there was so many times I'd kind of like pull off somewhere where I know nobody could see me. Yeah. And I just kind of like lay my head on the, on the steering wheel and just be like, what is going on right now? Yeah. So it was my first little introduction to Orville was was very difficult and I started realizing now outside looking in is I had no clue who God was yeah more importantly I was just I was a complete I just lived in a complete alternate reality Mm -hmm. of what you know God was expecting of me right so because you you had a a background obviously in Christianity yeah at at some point right well, uh, yeah, I did. Well, we never went to church growing up, so we didn't. My my parents weren't Christians, and we never mm-hmm. went to church. We didn't. We weren't even Easter or Christian um, or Christmas. Right, Christians. We didn't do any of that. But my freshman year of college, I actually went to Northern Arizona, which is in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. and a guy on the team that I played with had a Bible study, and I got invited to it, and I went for a couple weeks, and then I was like, man, I, this guy's passionate. Yeah, he was a phenomenal football player, so I was already. I was already piqued interest because yeah. you know that we had something in common, mm-hmm. and then he was just passionate about Jesus, and that's all he talked about. It's all he was about, and he had such fruit in his life. And I was like, man, that's I want this. Yeah. If, if this is Jesus, I'll take that. So I remember walking all the way across campus one day, one night. It was about midnight, 
and, and knocking on his dorm room door and said, man, I, this Jesus guy you're talking about, I want to give my life to him. Hmm. And so we prayed right then and there, and I gave my life to Jesus in 2002. And actually, he's, you know, seven or eight years later is uh, who introduced me to Danielle. Oh, wow. So I always used to kind of sit back and be like, what did I go to this school for? And then I realized, well, I gave my life to Jesus there, which yeah. is the most, deci- most important decision I ever made. Right. And then, you know, seven years later, he introduced me to my wife yeah. at, at the same campus, you know, so it was pretty, it was pretty unique. So, um, so yeah, that's, so that was my only background with, with, with Jesus. Cause I had none as a youth. Right. So, yeah. And then, and then you find yourself, you know, kind of in that moment of, well, I guess I pick up my own cross and trade my Tahoe for a, yeah. for a $500 was in the Accord. Honda, it was like a Honda Accord. Yeah. That's, you know, that's actually the most Christian vehicle because <laughs> it says in the new Testament, the disciples all arrived in one Accord, which is <laughs> one of go. Jesus' lesser known miracles, right? Like oh, they all fit in there. It's like <laughs> a five seater at most. That's so like 12, oh, 13 guys. Oh my goodness. I was, it was in a whole that was, that's Another my favorite world. joke. I'm on oh, my yeah. third Honda now, right? And there's a <laughs> yeah. meme out there. Jesus drove a Honda, but never spoke of it. And like yeah. in John 12, he's like, yeah, but I did not speak of my own accord. <laughs> yeah. He was very humble about yeah, his Honda. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, man, that's, it's good knowing the background. I know we heard, some of us heard Danielle's, uh, her, her podcast and it's great. I, if you, again, if you haven't listened to that one, go back to here. Yeah. Um, along the way, you, well, I want to talk about a little bit about the Lord's Gym before we get into accountability stuff, because um, part of the part of the the way the Father's House works is there's there's a Father's House Restoration Ministries, yeah. which was founded. Probably Danielle had a big part in yeah in starting that, right? Yeah, and it's uh, basically volunteers from the church running or helping out as volunteers in these local nonprofit businesses. Yeah, and and that was that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me when I came here was that uh, it like obviously we're in a really really rough neighborhood and people who come to church are from that neighborhood it's yeah. but everything at the at the church and on the campus is really excellent and so I was asking myself like where does this all come from and a lot of it comes from Steve who's knows how to make money and and knows how to give money yeah um, but a lot of it also comes from from people who are willing to work you know, full time. And instead of getting a wage they're they're part of this community and and giving to, and so tell me about how the Lord's gym got started. Yeah. Well, Steve, Steve had shared this idea with me several times about how he's always wanted to start a Lord's gym. And he's also a firm believer of, I can't start everything. There's gotta be somebody with a passion for a ministry to make it successful. And the Lord's Gym was something that was actually started in Roseville, California. It was about an hour from here, hour and 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And and he had obviously be, uh, known with me that I, I loved athletics and I loved working out and I loved the gym and I loved the atmosphere. And it was a huge uh, hobby of mine. So I remember when I was here, he just asked if, because he knew I was still trying to play and was still pursuing that dream. He just asked while I was here if I'd be willing to help. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, while I'm here, I'll, I'll no problem helping you. Yeah, you know, I, I won't be go. here long, but yeah. while I am. But while you know, I am, I'll do yeah. what I can, for sure. You know, And I knew quite a few people in the fitness industry. And so I started just calling around to some of my contacts and just people I had no clue. Uh, I also started calling around to massive fitness companies and mm-hmm. seeing if they were willing to donate. Or 
So we be, you know, we were a nonprofit, so they could donate. Yeah. So they could get a tax write-off. It could be beneficial to them. And so I had a decent business spin on it that I could present to them yeah. uh, to benefit them and benefit us. And I remember uh, making, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how many phone calls that you just hear no on. Yeah. But I finally got a hold of a, of a guy in, in Southern California and we played phone tag back and forth. He kept saying, yeah, man, you just got to catch me on a good day. And it was probably my benefit that we played so much phone tag because he started to feel guilty. And yeah. he's like, hey, man, if, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just going like yeah. this. If you come down here, it'd be so much easier for me. Is there any way you could just come down here and meet me and we'll figure something out? So I said, yeah. So we finally set up a day. He cleared his schedule. We came down there and met with him. He said, tell me your story. What do you got? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to do? What kind of building do you have? What's your goals? What's your vision? Yeah. So we shared our whole vision that we want to make a business that's successful in our community, not only to bring our message of Jesus to the community and be Jesus in our community, but also to take the funding that we get, the money, the mm-hmm. income that we that the business provides, and put it back into our church, put it back into our community, yeah. and put it back into the global uh, ministries that we also support. Right. So we shared this with him, and... And he was blown away by what we were trying to do. And he's a very successful business owner. So the fact that we were foregoing making money and foregoing all these jobs because of Steve is very successful. And, yeah. uh, you know, me being in and out of the NFL and having a degree and all these other directions that I could have gone, he was really blown away by our vision and, and our attitude and just our way of life. And mm-hmm. so he ended up walking us through his hundred plus thousand square foot of warehouse. And that's just packed with gym equipment yeah. and, and ends up donating the whole entire gym to wow. us. And all we had to really do was pay for shipping to get the stuff up there, <laughs> which was pennies on the dollars yeah. for what he was giving us. And yeah. he completely blessed us with an ability to, um, to impact so many people in so many different communities as well as our own yeah and provided us an incredible business uh for pretty much nothing on his end yeah but and and now that has turned into stuff like our mud our mud run and yeah. our kids mud run that yep. brings in thousands of people to to you know at our new property where yeah they come in and participate in this you know it's a really excellent event yeah uh, the gym itself is top notch right it's the best yeah. gym in Oroville for sure and yeah it is um, now you guys have partnered with the like one of the linemen uh, hyd- like hydroelectric worker yeah, college across college the street and, yeah they and, have, they have done so much for us yeah and yeah. and it's just great like to see that place you walk in now it's twenty four hours a day you can swipe in yeah. and and just go work out. And all the equipment Child we started care. with, we don't even really have anymore. It's all new. And, yeah. Yeah, which we've also gotten to do through the same guy, the same gentleman that's, you know, just blessed us. So yeah. it's, we really have provided a state-of-the-art facility that everybody that walks in thinking I'm walking into some nonprofit gym are yeah. blown away by the product that we've placed. Oh, yeah. In front and that, that was one of the, actually one of the things that for me coming and visiting here, I was like, oh, man, this is so, so nice. And it's gotten better in the last two years since I've yeah. been here. Uh, or since we we visited and um, and I want to have you on another time. We probably don't have time to talk about it now, but you actually want to go even more full circle and find like start your own training facility for youth in Orville. Yeah, we're in out the process our, of that right now. Our property, and so we'll, we'll have you on another time to talk about that because I really want to talk about something that you picked up during that that time um, when you were in the NFL and learning yeah. football and, and pursuing that. 
just this, uh, this idea of accountability. And, and I remember all my years in Christianity from the age of 13, um, you sort of become a little bit jaded about the word accountability yeah. because you, you hear so many people use it and, uh, and it's almost like a meme because I, I can't think, I can't really think of anybody who has a really successful story of, of accountability or it's, it's kind of just, you know, something people talk about. Yeah. Um, something that's very easy for people to manipulate out. uh, Yeah. Like, Oh, I have an accountability partner. Yeah. Um, I remember the only instance that accountability ever worked for anything that I wanted help changing in my life was when I was surrounded living in a community, uh, in the Mm -hmm. navigators in college at the university of Northern Colorado. And I lived in a house with, with other guys, yeah. And uh who were like minded. We had house goals and, and rules and things and we spent time like we worked together, we lived together, we went to school yeah. together. Yeah. And uh and we weren't afraid to we didn't pull any punches with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like people call us on call me on, on my crap and I could call them, you know, guys that would look up to me and I had guys that I looked up to and um but other than that, I I don't think that really represents most people's Christianity or most yeah. people's experience with accountability. So, so tell me how you picked that up and where you've taken it. Yeah. Well, for, for me, it was, I was the first team when I was playing for Seattle, um, the Seahawks, I, I had first gotten there and my friend that I grew up with actually knew one of the guys on the team. And so he had kind of set me up like, Hey man, my buddy just signed with you guys. You guys should just get together. Mm-hmm. You know, show him the ropes a little bit. He had been in the league for a while. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So he ends up coming and, you know, hey, man, you know such and such. I said, yeah, man, okay. So we got introduced and just started talking. He's like, well, man, come out of the house later. So we started hanging out. And, you know, he was he's not bashful about his Christianity. So he's like, mm-hmm. well, what are you, you know, what's your deal with Jesus? Who are you, you know, yeah. what are you doing with yourself? Are you into this? Are you into that? Are you dating anybody right now? How's that go? What, you know, and just, <laughs> just really had no problem whole, asking uh, you yeah. anything, you know, and, uh, and so I was able to, re- I just, I just was like, you know what, let me just give it a shot and open up to this guy and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And it was easy because I looked up to him and it was easy because he was a very successful football player. So it was yeah. easy for me to say, well, man, I just want what this guy's got. Mm-hmm. It was very easy for me to follow that. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a good sticking point right there is, um, this, this idea, I think the, in the church of accountability, yeah. This sort of watered down uh, accountability that I th- I would say was practiced most of the time I was a Christian. Yeah, um, it's more of like it's like the blind leading the blind kind of right. Yeah. And you you've got somebody who you you know is next to you and like well maybe this guy can I can do accountability with this guy because he's not really going to ask me any tough questions about anything. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, I you know we're not going to really hold each other's feet to the fire. But the difference is you're not also choosing somebody who you're like, man, I want to live like that guy, yeah. right? So that yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, so for, for me, the only accountability I had ever been introduced to was this, which yeah. was very much in your face. Yeah. It was very much if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you're going to follow Jesus, what we're going to do is we're going to read about Jesus so you can find out who you're saying you're following, Yeah. and I'm going to make sure I'm holding you to that standard. And it also took me... To, to reap the fruit of that, it took me surrendering myself to him and the fact mm-hmm. of saying, hey, I'll follow you. You know more about Jesus than I do. You got fruit in your life that I don't have. Yeah. You have things that I desire. You have an incredible marriage. You have great children. Your children listen to you. They behave. They mm-hmm. love you. They follow Jesus. I want all those things in my life. 
Yeah. So if I don't have them, that means I don't know how to get them. Yeah. You do have them. You already accomplished. You already accomplished that. So I need you to tell me how to get that. Would you show me how you mm. lived? Yeah. Would you show me how you honored your wife? Cause she's in love with you and she says you did it right. Can you show me how you did it right? Cause right. when I meet my wife, I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. So the tough thing is, is we kind of live in an age where it's don't tell me what to do. I yeah. got it all figured out. Mind your own business. When mm-hmm. uh, that's not how I've received any of my growth. That's not how I've received any of the fruit in my life. That all came from me following. That all came from me submitting to another man yeah. and saying, hey, I need your help. I need you to teach me how to be a husband, how to be a father. I need you to teach me how to be a son, mm-hmm. how to follow you know, what it means to give your life away. And all these are things, obviously, that a lot of the town, the city of Orville's taught me, but um, my first mentor gave me a lot of that. Yeah. Of just showing me, hey, this is what you have to do. It sounds like a big advantage that that was your first experience. Yeah. Because I think coming in, when it's not your first experience, you, it's just human nature. Like, well, if there's four things that I can try to to fix something. Yeah. I'm going to try the easiest thing first. hundred percent. Right. Like yeah. when I'm working on my car, well, it could be the battery, the alternator, the starter, let's the or the, well, let's try the cheapest battery, fix. right? Yeah. I can two bolts and a new battery. All right. Yeah. That's easy. Okay. Well, it didn't turn out to be the battery. So, uh, I can, I can get to the yeah. alternator What's a the lot easier. Right. Thing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's before I sold the Subaru, I did all of those things because <laughs> I had to do them in that order. But you know, it's, if you, if you get that, if you start at the like, well, what's the the right thing to do? Yeah, and you get that first. I mean, that's that's just so much yeah. to your advantage, right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And and for me, sometimes what what's hard for some people is realizing I don't always know what's right to do. Yeah. So I gotta have somebody that's got an outside perspective that can see a lot of my blind spots. You yeah. know, that's able to hold up that, a mirror that for almost you. knows me better than I know myself. And yep. is able to sit here and say, hey, man, this doesn't look right. Yeah. Hey, this looks off. Hey, if we do compare that to what Jesus says here or what Paul says here or whatever we want to go yeah. into, and you start realizing, oh, yeah, that doesn't add up. And remember I said I was going to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so you, you started implementing that. You went from being a mentor or being mentored yeah. and, then, and then acting that out and, and yeah. doing things you know right with your wife and, and your yeah. And then now you're here. Yeah. How did you, how did you switch that, um, to, to being a mentor? Cause you're like a, you're a super sought after mentor here. I mean, you, yeah. you must mentor dozens of guys. Yeah. You know, how did you make that switch? Yeah. Um, or what was it like? Well, I mean, for me too, it's like, well, I still talk to that guy that I still am very close with the guy that, mm-hmm. that led me in that. So, and obviously, uh, Steve here is my father-in-law. So yeah. it's, um, I have, I still have people that I'm constantly following and asking help. So it's like, I don't think you ever really stop being a, being mentored. Mm-hmm. I've just gotten the pr- privilege of, of walking that out for so long that people have seen that in my life. Like I saw it in my first mentor's life where they've wanted to follow me. Yeah. Hey, now I'm the guy that's married mm-hmm. and I'm the guy that has the kids. And so yeah. I've really been able to implement what I followed from my first mentor when I was playing with the Seahawks into my life. Now it's like doing what he said, which was following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it longer than you. So I can help you. I've gotten the fruit of that in my life. And then yeah. I have other people that are now that are like me back then saying, Hey, yeah. I want that marriage. I want those kids. I, I want what you're doing. And, uh, it's allowed me to, to really, you know, take what I've learned and speak right back into them. So seeing, 
so you never stopped being mentored yourself no. yeah. just so you could be a mentor. It's, it's not like, Hey, I've arrived. Yeah. I can now, I can now be the one that gets to tell people what 100%. to do. Right. Well, because I think that makes you followable, right? That you're still saying, well, Hey, I'm still taking orders. Mm-hmm. I'm still listening. I'm still working on me. Yeah. So I, I, that's, that was something for me. It was like, I constantly heard him speaking about talking to his mentors, talking to the people that are helping him, making huge life goals and huge decisions and things like that, and constantly going to his mentors. And I'm thinking right. to myself, wow, he's, he's actually putting his money where his mouth is. He's doing what he's requiring of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing. It's, we got some people now that are, that are leading and never expect to be led at all. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, there's still a lot of firsts for me in my life and I need people's advice. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I think it's very, very big that, you know, somebody you're following is following somebody else as well. Yeah. You know, so you, you and Danielle, you came up with uh, sort of a mentoring, uh, mentoring accountability yeah. handbook, right? Yeah. Of, of the things, because now, now some of the people that, that were, you know, said, oh, I see Derek, I want to. I want to be like him. I'm going to ask him what to do. I'm going to follow him as he follows Jesus. Yeah. Now some of those people are even getting to the point where they're, they're, they're mentoring others. Yeah. Right. And so I see that in like second Timothy, like the things that I've taught you now pass on to faithful people exactly. who can teach others. Right. Yeah. That was one of the the big verses of the navigators when I was in college of like, yeah, like I was, I was following a guy and I was leading a Bible study and guys were following me. And then, by the time I was done, I was expected, well, the two guys that were your right and left hands there, they better be able to lead a Bible study at the end exactly. of next semester or you haven't done your job, right? Well, that's another word that brings us to that's used a lot in Christianity is discipleship. Right. Which is the biggest yeah. which is the biggest thing Jesus is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. You need to go out and make and disciples. It's, it's a huge misunderstanding in the church, yeah. right? It is. And ultimately that's what my first mentor is doing. I need you to go I need to make you um, be able to go out and do this. Yeah. I can't sit here and change diapers all day long. Yeah. You know, yep. whatever time we do have, you better be taking advantage of it. Cause mm-hmm. I need you to then go out and show somebody else how to do this, you know? And that's my whole goal in mentoring guys is for not them, for them not to just sit here and be under me all their whole life. It's like, no, that these guys have all graduated, out and started, yeah. they got to graduate a little bit. Yeah. We still, I still got guys that are still accountable, but Obviously, what they were accountable about in the beginning, they're not accountable anymore because we've grown. Mm-hmm. You know, they've conquered things, they've walked through stuff, they've they've gotten the inner healings, and they've and they've gone to the Holy Spirit and really felt and received truths, and it's become yeah. their foundation. So it's like accountability really evolves. Mm-hmm. But then again, too, it's my whole goal is to get them to be people that other people can be accountable to. Yeah. They're off starting ministries, they're out getting other people, you know, bringing the truth of Jesus to them. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we're not doing this so that we can just hold everybody down. We're trying to, we're trying to widen our tip pegs with this accountability thing for sure. And the standard that we're living with it. Yeah. Um, so, so that manual you made, it has, it has some really good practical stuff. Yeah. And so somebody's listening they're like, man, this is, I want to know more. I need to know more. I need to, you know, a, I need to find somebody that, that has what I need. But yeah. what are some other things that like practically that people could do as they're either looking for a mentor or, or being accountable to somebody else? Yeah. Well, no matter what you do in life, you're being mentored somewhere, whether you're working at 
a grocery store or you're working at a mall or mm-hmm. you're working at a Verizon or whatever, yeah. there's somebody mentoring you. There's somebody teaching you something. You're listening. You're, you're being taught by something. Yeah. And so I think the first thing is we need to know what you want. Mm-hmm. Do you want to follow Jesus? Okay, well, then you need to find somebody that's more experienced than you in that. Right. It's just like, well, f- for me, uh, I, I like doing... I like doing concrete or I like building or I like drawing or whatever you enjoy. It's like, uh, I was always taught, well, you need to find somebody that's better than you Mm -hmm. so they can teach you. So my dad always taught me when I was playing football, it's like, man, when you get in the, you know, I, I had the, the privilege of being in the national football league. My dad taught me right off the bat. You better get around the best football player on that team Mm -hmm. because he's a professional. He's been there, knows how to stay there, knows how to be successful there. He's made a lot of money, so he knows what he's doing. So obviously, he's got something going that a lot of these other guys don't have. Yeah. So I didn't hang out with other free agents. Mm-hmm. I hung out with guys that were on contracts or pro bowlers or people yeah. because there was stuff that they had, little niches they were in that I needed. Yeah. So I applied that same thing to Christianity, is I need somebody that's doing this better than I am right now, mm-hmm. that's more educated in this than I am. Yeah. That's further on down the road. I mean, Steve is light years ahead of where I'm at because the guys lived who knows how, I mean, twice yeah. my lifetime, Yeah, you know? And so there are so many different things I ask him because there's so much more advice he can give me, so many more things I need. So, I mean, the first thing is, is I decided, okay, I want to be a Christian. Okay. okay? Now I need to find Which somebody. Which that first step is, it's not one to be skipped over because, no. I mean, yeah. I, w- I would have taken that for granted, but the more you read the Gospels, that's actually like a, Biggest decision in your Beca- life. Because there's yeah. there's a lot of, it's an if-then consequence. If you want to be a Christian, then yes. there's a lot that you might find yourself in Orville. You might find yourself yeah, yeah. somewhere, you know, like... Or somewhere you, you, you said might find, I will never be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you also might find yourself in preaching the gospel in the NFL or something like yeah. that. But there's a lot of consequences to saying yes that yeah. I think we don't, even, we don't even think about. But once we get to that, okay, so yes, I want to be a Christian. Yeah. Take some time to actually think about that. Then what? Yeah. Well, then I got to find somebody that has what this Christianity that I'm reading about. I need to find somebody that has that. Yeah. And not just somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, right? Because no. those those are all around. Yes. Uh, but taking taking a look at, okay, what what is actually a Christian look like? Like yeah. a mini Jesus yes. look like? Yeah. Because, I mean, we're surrounded by, I hear every week on the news, somebody, so some leader so-and-so has fallen away from the faith or oh, uh, has de- decided, well, I, I'm just not really a Christian anymore. Um, yeah. The guy in my, my generations, um, the, the guy who wrote the book on accountability was the, the guy who wrote, I kissed dating goodbye. And mm-hmm. the other books, that was such a cliche book, but yeah. every, every Christian kid had one on their shelf. Right. I don't yeah. know if anybody actually read them. Well, but, we do this every day, but, and, and he's now, now divorced from his wife and yeah. no longer a Christian. Right. Like sad. And and so we have to find somebody who doesn't just call themselves a Christian, but you have to know that and see yeah. that they actually are doing what a Christian does. Well, yeah, and that and a lot of that is 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 finding experience, asking that experience, and then taking that advice, mm-hmm. you know, and realizing they have something. I mean, it's just like like I said, it's like we do this every day, right? Like, hey, before we go, what's the first thing you do if you want to try a new restaurant but you're not sure about it? Well, you talk to somebody that ate there. Yeah. And if they say <laughs> yeah. it's bad, you don't go. Right. You know, it's if, if anything, hey, if I'm going to, I want to build a deck. Are you going to talk to some guy that's never built one or somebody that has? Right. If I'm buying a car, 
I'm going to talk to the guy that has the car I want. Yeah. I want to see if he likes it. Mm-hmm. See if I can ride in it. Could I drive it? Right. Because I might be spending a lot of money on I something. I have the same so van that you have. <laughs> there <exactly>. we go. <laughs> so it's kind of, and I look at that as like, so I have my life and I have my wife and I have my kids. I'm responsible for a lot. Yeah. The decision I make, every single decisions I make every day, it matters. Mm-hmm. And it matters to two little girls and my son that was just born. It matters to my wife and yeah. all these other people that I've said, yeah, you can trust me. Mm-hmm. You can follow me. Yeah. So I better be making good choices and I better be asking, uh, you know, advice from somebody that's not a novice. Yeah. You know, somebody's a journeyman, somebody that's an expert, mm-hmm. somebody that knows what they're doing. And so that was an incredible lesson my father taught me, even though it applied to football, I was able to apply that to my Christianity very easily. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I mean, I never argued with a pro bowler who gave me football advice, <laughs> yeah. right? So why would I argue with a man who's more successful in Christianity Yeah. about, well, what I think I should do? It's mm-hmm. like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So a lot of that is take is a submissive thing. And sometimes with our accountability... And sometimes it's more than sometimes you hear something you don't want to hear mm-hmm. and it forces you to look in the mirror and you have to be willing to be transparent and hear something you don't want to hear and make a change. Right. You know, and that's what we're called to do as men. And, and that's what we're called to do if we're leading people. Right. You know, it strikes me that, that there's, there's a probably an over or an unbalance, um, imbalance, I guess in yeah. Christianity where there's a lot of people that, would love to have somebody in their life that they could look at like that. Yeah. But aren't really sure who that person would be in their, in their town or their church. Yeah. Right. Like we're talking life on life. Like the, the guy, your mentor in football, he was like, you had daily workouts. Right. And then you hung out with him outside of those. And and the guys I was around, I lived, worked and, and so you actually find out who these people are behind closed doors. And too much of the time we're like, yeah, I'm following my pastor. And you know, you have dinner at your pastor's house once a year, maybe. Yeah. uh, And you, or you going to, uh, like on the Babylon Bee is my favorite site to see like touching story of, a woman who meets the senior pastor eight years after she starts attending his mega church, something like that. Yeah, like you, exactly. you can't follow somebody in You're, in a discipleship yeah, that, relationship. We would like never that. define that as accountability. Right. And yeah. We'd never define that and as accountability. So you're actually, and we don't have a whole lot of time left, but you're starting something here coming up for people right now. It's for guys Yeah. Um, that, that are like, Hey, I'm not really sure what it is to be a Christian and a man. Yeah. And so you want to speak on that briefly? Yeah, well, uh, exactly. Well, we get a lot of people too. It's like they're listening to a lot of their sermons on online or mm-hmm. their YouTube or whatever. And it's like, yeah. I, I realized really quick, it's like, although they might be saying something good, I could only take that for the message they're giving. I yeah. couldn't, they were never somebody I could follow because I need to, I need to follow somebody that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and defining that manhood, it's, it's I have to see a, how a guy treats his wife, how a guy treats his kids. What, yeah. You know, the really the fruit of something that you would see behind closed doors. It was just kind of like you share, like you listen to all the podcasts mm-hmm. and then you, and you, but, but eventually you came here and visited. Yeah. And yeah. I've we had this, to, we had to come here and see if what? we could live it. I need it, to right? see who these people are. Yeah. I need to meet people that are in their ministry. I need to, like I'd often say. Uh, after I've been recruited and go to college and, you know, go at all this, if, if my son ever played football, I would want to go and I'd want to speak to the guys that aren't even on scholarship. Yeah. They're just, they're just there on their mm-hmm. own dime. And I'd want to ask, well, how's the, how's the coach treating you? 
Yeah. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like, for me, it's like, I'd, I'd want to come here like you did. And I want to speak to the volunteers. Yeah. I want to speak to the people that are coming to the food bank. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to speak to the guy that's working the front desk at the gym. Yeah. I want to find out. I know. I mean, I bet you Steve's probably what he's saying, but I want to find, I want to kind of look behind the, you know, the scenes a little bit yeah. and start finding out if this is real. And I think everybody should be doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not looking to get offended because you can do that anywhere. Right. But really trying to realize that the guy you should be following is somebody that you're going to church with. Mm-hmm. You know, is somebody there that is is tangibly there, is tangibly visible. Yeah. You can touch, you can see, you know, and that you can ask advice from. And then you can actually see their family, their their life, their their marriage, their, yeah. their vision, their view, you know, what they're about, the yeah. fruit of it. Well, there's a, a couple more things. When we have more time, I, I, I'm going to just have you on again, and we'll talk a little bit more about this this conference coming up. It's yeah. coming up in January, right? Yeah. So we'll get on and we'll talk about that a little bit because I'm, I'm guessing there's probably some people listening that might be interested. And uh, I want to just hear more of your story. And I think, I think uh, yeah, it's just our, our brains match really well. I can... Yeah. I feel like we could keep carrying on. I feel like you got a lot of wisdom that a lot of people on the other end of the, the podcast would like. So thank you so much for your time, and, and we'll catch up again. Yeah, thank you for the time. Thank you for having me on. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I feel like I could keep on talking to Derek forever. We'll just have to have him on for another episode sometime soon. As promised, I got some shout-outs. Um, on my podcasting equipment, I can tell exactly around the world which places people are listening and for the first time in the past week somebody downloaded the uncommon truth in ireland i wanted to give ireland a shout out tonight i will be staying up late into the evening to watch the rugby world cup i'm a bit of a rugby nut and ireland's taking on japan at around 1 15 this morning local time so i'll be up checking that out Also, a shout-out to my friend Ryan Kelly, who's going to be doing a little bit to help me out behind the scenes with The Uncommon Truth. He's the man who married my wife's cousin who brought us to Orville in the first place. So thanks for bringing me here, Ryan, and thanks for the help. Go ahead and scroll down now to the show notes where you can check out some other ways that you can get in contact and interact with The Uncommon Truth. There you're going to find my email address. I'd love to hear from you. If you've got some opinions about the show or some things you want to see covered or just some feedback, I'd love to get that. There's also a convenient link that you can share the podcast with via email or Instagram or Facebook or text message. Just send that and it will automatically send somebody to their preferred method of listening to podcasts. It's really easy. You're also going to find links to our YouTube channel where we have our sermons and Instagram, Facebook, other social media places where you can check us out further. And now I'm going to remind you once again to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, and I'm going to go get ready to watch some late night rugby. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Uncommon Truth.